huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Wanted to share with you some steps for young entrepreneurs to become successful. I think this system works. There are seven steps, essentially. Uh, and if you're a parent, how to raise your children to become this uh, successful entrepreneur that you'd like them to be. And if you're, what, between the ages of probably eight and maybe 21, I think these tips and tri- tricks will really help you. I want to say one thing about you as a young entrepreneur. You know, I know that you perceive that the world is difficult, that you have problems. I want to let you know, as we get older, old gits like me, they don't go away. They just change. And I think if you ask every old git like me watching and listening to the podcast and the video, we all wish we'd be 19 again. Now, that's, of course, not to demean the challenges you're having Um, But what you have is youth, you have passion, you have energy. You don't have all the emotional baggage and scars and rejection and, you know, ebbs and flows and, you know, business challenges that us old gits have had. Um, And having this sort of open book, this blank canvas is so exciting. And that energy and that freedom and that creativity that every young person has is also inspiring to us older people. You know, you might look at older entrepreneurs and wish you had their experience, you know, wish you had their knowledge, wish you had their bank balance. But actually, there's a lot of things about you as the young entrepreneur that we wish we had. We wish we weren't so negative and sceptical because we've seen so much shit. You know, we wish that people around us were a bit more free and open minded and, you know, uh, uh, prepared to give things a go. We wish that we didn't have ridiculous overheads that we wish. You don't have any overheads. You're sponging off us and good on you. All right, so I'm going to give you seven steps to be a young entrepreneur or seven ways to raise a young entrepreneur if you're a parent. And then I've got about six things to add to that, which I think can really help you. Now, number one is the belief. You must believe that you can be, do, have anything that you want. Now, um, that belief is instilled upon us. You know, we are intrinsically designed through evolution and, you know, our DNA to be explorers. You know, we don't have any limits baggage. Um, You know, we don't have any self-imposed ceilings when we're born. We learn those, (laughs) you know, and unless we're not blaming anyone, but we learn those through media. We learn those through our parents. We learn those through our geography. Over years, we learn our limitations. The younger you are, the less you have. 
So you must believe that you can. And you can, and you've got less layers of the onion of scar tissue of things to prove that you can't. So hold on to that. You know, we're scarred, us oldies, you know, because we've had things happen. And, you know, we, um, we have the fears that are built because of the things that we've seen and you don't. The next thing is this. Now, there's a lot of Americans out there teaching young hustlers, you know, go and sell a load of stuff, work for 18 hours a day. And, you know, I'm going to take a different view because I think it's not maybe the best view. I think the best thing is, the second thing is you must seek out a problem that people are having and then desire to solve it. So I was having a chat with my wife because we had a weekend away uh, and um, she asked me for the vision of my foundation. Uh, and I want to help young people and underprivileged people to start and scale a business uh, and to have a better financial education and to learn to make more money, embrace, manage, master money, and then, of course, pass it on and do good for other people. And um, Gemma was like, well, you know, that's all right, but what about the third world? And she said, there's also a lot of people in, in the UK that are really struggling. And I said, honey, you know, I think the model is the same wherever you go. And it is, you know, whether you're in the third world or whether you're in the first world, whether you're online or offline, you've got to go and seek out a problem, you know, that your tribe, that your family and friends, that your customers, your clients, your community, that they're having, that they're experiencing, you know, what's slow for them, what's difficult for them, um, what causes them frustration, friction, illness, stress. You've got to go and find what that is. And by the way, there's problems everywhere. Uh, and the, the problems can be small, like, oh, the birds keep pecking in my milk bottle top. The problems could be huge, you know, like I'm, I'm dying of a disease. They can be very small or they can be very huge. If you go and find that out, no matter where you are in the world, no matter how much money you have or don't have, and then you create a solution to that problem, you solve it, you have a business. You know, you have an income stream, you have um, meaning, you matter, you have a place on this planet, you can make a dent in, in the universe. Uh, now, the step 2B is the more people that you can solve this problem for, the more you can scale your business, you know, the more revenue you can generate. So don't just look for a problem that solves, you know, a, a, a problem for you, what, two of your mates, um, but, you know, wouldn't scale out to your wider village community or world or, you know, wider online communities. All right. It works regardless. That is the model for creating a good business model. The third thing then is you've got to create or source a product or service that solves that problem. Now, by the way, these can be existing problems, new problems. But I'll give you an example. Let's say someone's got their loft full of junk. That's a problem. Would they like you to empty that loft full of junk? Yeah. So you take it on a sale or return basis. You sell all the stuff on eBay. You take 20% minus listing fees. They take 80%. You've solved a problem for them. You've created a product or service that existed that you didn't have to create, that you didn't have any overhead on. And then you've generate some revenue. And then what you do with that is you, you then use that as proof. Hey, look what I did to number 52. I cleared up their attic. I made them two grand that they didn't think they had. Have you got any junk or stuff you think you don't need? You go and do that for 10 of them and then you have enough money to go and invest in a, um, some stock. You know, you buy new stock from Amazon or, you know, or wherever from China and you bring it in and you drop ship it, ship it or you white label a product to have your own brand. So products and services do come from thin air. They exist in the ether. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I haven't got money to buy it. I haven't got any experience. Or, you know, how can I create a product out of nothing? You need IP. You need a design patent. You need all these, you know, huge uh, time and cost investments. You don't. Now, you might have an idea that needs a patent. And you might have something that's a little bit more complicated and expensive to build. That's fine. So what you do is go, you go and um, create a few products and services that can generate some income. And then you build up towards that. Or you do stair. Step six or seven 
Okay, right. Now anyone can do step three. It doesn't matter if you have no money. It doesn't. You could, you know, you could, you could go and offer your, to sell your parents stuff. Any parent watching, which I'm sure there are many, if your um, young entrepreneur child who was 12 came to you and said, "Hey, look, have you got a load of junk I can sell?" You'd be very proud. You'd go and let them sell it. You know, you'd let them do all the work. You'd take a percentage of the profits. You let them negotiate with you. You know, hey, I said you should take 20% of the profits. Why don't you start at 50/50 and have a little bit of a haggle? Get to 70/30, and you've still made 10% more than you know what I said before. All right, now it's important in step three to get perfect later. A lot of people are trying to wait for and- Two of the most common questions I'm getting asked at the moment is where do I buy my watches and where do I buy my gold? People don't know this, but I've invested in gold for 17 years. If you go back to 1971, the birth of fiat currency, the devaluation of money, money's gone down by 85% in value since then. But you could buy one ounce of gold for about $30, which peaked at over $1,500. Gold is a great defensive asset class. Gold is a great hedge against the matrix and the system. It's a great hedge against inflation. And I've finally found someone who I am now partnering and has become a sponsor on the show. And that is Josh Saul of The Pure Gold Company. He has a special offer where you can get a complimentary investor guide and book an appointment to get your own private consultation at pure-gold.co forward slash rob more. I buy my gold from this company. So if you'd like to just buy the gold or get the investor guide, go right now to pure-gold.co forward slash rob more. Big shout out to the Pure Gold Company for collaborating and sponsoring this episode. Create the perfect market, the perfect product, the perfect service. It, it, you know, it doesn't actually happen. If you look behind me, these are pure evil prints. Um, he's probably one of my favourite artists, and I've got his art all over the place. If you look at, um, in fact, I'll take you. I'll take you and have a look. You sh I'll show you one of the recent pieces I bought um, from him, which he loves. Uh, I love, and my wife hates. Um, but you know, that's life. So here is one of his new pieces of art. I'll go turn the light on. So that's, um, that's now made all of plastics and it's very, various different layers um, of material. He's even put real hair on it. That's a one of one piece. So obviously that, the, the, the first iteration was just a simple print you know, on screen that you can see behind me. And I, th yeah, I think he made, what, there you go, um, 52 out of 100. So he made 100 of those. You know, and then he's improved the materials and the, uh, the tangibility of it, the tactile nature of it. He's increased the price. I bought these for 150 quid. I think they've done all right in terms of their appreciating value. Um, that was a lot, lot more money. So, you know, you could say, it's a, now, by the way, I bought that when the when, when he was on The Apprentice. I bought them probably seven years ago, something like that. Um, so he's, he's still maintaining the same line of products and services as his, as his pieces of art, seven years. Um, but he's just improving, tweaking and iterating it over and over and over. All right, great then. Step four is you need to build an audience. You know, you need to build followers, fans, customers, clients, a network of people. Now, by the way, for us old gits, if you're 39 like me or older, you know, we re do you remember the days without the internet? We had to do it the hard way. We had to go and knock on doors and get in the car and drive up and down the country. Well, as a young entrepreneur, you know, you probably know Snapchat better than most of us. I don't even know how to work that. You know, and you're used to the internet. You're born with it. You know how it works. You've got a, a deeper intrinsic level of knowledge and experience of how to get posts liked, shared, to go viral, to create content that your audience wants. You probably have a better intuition than a lot of us oldies because you've been raised in that world. So you're probably embracing it already, but embracing it more with, you know, make sure you have good accounts set up on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and all the other newer social media platforms. Make sure you have a podcast. Make sure you do live feeds. 
Um, there's one person who's seven years old, I guess his dad manages his account, and he goes and buys toys and builds them. And he's got hundreds of thousands and thousands of followers and people who love to watch his videos. Seven-year-old kid. Um, I find that very inspiring. There's a guy called Caleb Maddox, who's a, a teenager, who's got you know, a vast following in the area of personal development for young entrepreneurs. So you know, the investment in your building of your following, your fan base, your, your profiles, uh, you may have noticed I'm starting to step up the amount of podcasts I'm putting out there, the amount of live feeds I'm doing. I've really um, put a lot more content on LinkedIn now. Um, one of my videos that got about 20,000 views on Facebook got 300,000 views when I put it onto LinkedIn. I mean, wow. Um, I, you know, I, I, I've, I've had a LinkedIn account for 12 years. I should have been doing a lot more on LinkedIn than I was over the last 12 years. Um, so I'm committing to upping my game in that, and so should you. And by the way, all of these platforms that you build your profile on, whether it's um, you know, vlogs on YouTube videos or whatever, they're free. They're free. They're free. You probably didn't even know that you used to have to pay for marketing back in the day. The old print media world. Okay, step five then is you need to create a unique promise. You know, what's, what's new about you? What's unique about you? What's different about you? How do you do things smarter, better? How do you do things faster? How do you make lives more convenient for people? You know, what, what, what can people see in you that they see in themselves? What are people bored of that you do the opposite of? How do you surprise people? And um, yeah, you know, this unique, this is a brand. All of this stuff is a brand. Uh, and I think that um, you know, understanding what that is and being self-aware of that and putting that out into the market, doing things with your own unique flavor. Um, you don't have to engineer this, by the way, by doing gimmicks like shouting, screaming, jumping up and down, trying to be like the American influencers. You've just got to think, who am I? What's unique and different about me? There's something unique and different about all of us. Uh, and, you know, how can I have the courage to show the world that um, and not worry about being judged? And when you do, you own your space and your place. Uh, and people find you and search you and love you for that. They'll hate you for that as well. Um, but you're probably used more to the trolls and the critics online than we are, us oldies, because that's only a recent phenomenon. What in the last 10 or 15 years? Online trolls. Uh, you know, what are they? All right. OK, step six, then, is you've got to get good at marketing. You know, we can debate forever what's the most important function of business and everyone will say something different. And I'm going to say marketing because without anyone coming into your shop, you have no business. So if sales is, you know, the amount you sell in your shop, you know, and, and finance is managing the stock and the inventory. Well, marketing is getting people in the door in the first place. And that is the most important thing, because if no one comes in the door, you've got nothing to manage, nothing to sell, nothing to buy. Uh, so, you know, you've got to get good at marketing. And, um, you know, most people, when they start in business, they're not good at marketing. They're pretty good at creating the product. They're probably pretty good at hustling. They might be good at going out and selling it. Um, but that's laborious and there's, no, there's no, not much leverage in that. Um, and it's only after, you know, there's people who've trained as life coaches, consultants, uh, trainers. Uh, and, you know, they spent 20 or 30 grand on all the accreditations and the certificates. And they're really great at what they do, but then they've got no customers. And, you know, if, would you rather be great at what you do and have no customers or kind of all right at what you do and have a, a queue of customers and too many customers? Because at least then you can get better at what you do. So you've got to embrace and be good at marketing, which is easier in the online world that we live in. You know, your podcast is marketing for you. Your live feeds are marketing for you. Your social media, your brand, your brochures, the, the stands that you have at shows. And then, by the way, a lot of this um, marketing isn't necessarily direct response. It's not like buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff necessarily. It's just getting good content out there. It's getting seen. It's getting noticed. It's getting shared. It's getting discussed and debated. It's getting loved. It's getting hated. It's all of those things. Okay. Uh, and in your marketing is your story, your vision, your passion, your mission. Uh, people don't just buy what your product does. They buy what your product means. They buy the why of your product as well as the how of your product. You know, why do people buy a Tesla um, when they're ugly? They are ugly. You can say what you want, but the front end and the, the front end of a, te a Tesla is ugly, ugly. 
The, the interior, the leather is ugly. All right, the screen's cool, but it's ugly. Uh, and people buy Tesla, the story, the mission, what it does for the world, who you are, what you, who you are as a person, you know, your values as a person when you drive this Tesla. And therefore you're prepared to drive a ugly car. And I know there's going to be loads of people going, oh, I love Teslas, Teslas are great. You cannot deny the ugliness of a Tesla. They are not beautiful. I went to the Ferrari exhibition, the design museum this weekend. Ferraris are beautiful. Teslas are ugly. I'll end up getting one. Well, as soon as they make a pretty one, I'm buying one. Because I want you to know what I'm about and what I stand for. But for now, it has to be a Porsche Palomero Turbo S. I'm sorry. All right. And step seven, then, is reinvesting your time and your money into improvements. It's all very well going out there and starting to do something. But then your competition catch you up. The, the market forces of capitalism, they catch you up. So, you know, you, you sell your products and services. You reinvest some of the profits into improving them, scaling them, solving them, making them faster, easier, better, more robust. And what a lot of people do is they have an instant hit and then they don't invest in their products and services. They don't continue to improve. Uh, and if you don't, then your comp competition beat you and your margins reduce and your, um, you know, the amount of customers that you have reduce. So you need that um, desire to grow. You need that humility to know that you can always improve. You must never get lazy. But it's easy. You can crowdsource all of the feedback from your community. You know, I can say to you, hey, what do you like about my live feed videos? What do you dislike about my live feed videos? What do you like about my podcasts? What do you dislike about my podcasts? Please tell me. Please be honest. Um, you know, I'll respect you if you're honest with me. I'll honor you. Um, I won't have a go at you. I'll credit you when I implement those improvements. You teach me how to be better. Now, I'd, just, I'd be an idiot not to ask. You know, you know how you feel when you consume my work. You know what kind of content you like and don't. You know when you really get a, a light bulb moment or where you think I'm waffling or whatever. And so if I ask you and you tell me, we have this great loop where you feel wanted, you feel important as a community member and a follower of mine. I get guaranteed good feedback to improve because it's not hypothetical. It's real because you're a customer of mine. So you've experienced it. There you go. And that means engaging with your followers and fans. Now, um, you know, I listened to a great podcast of the CEO of Boeing. Uh, and uh, it reminded me something I want to remind us all, and I want to remind myself every day as well, is that your job as the head of your company and the leader of your life should be a servant leader. It should be to serve and improve the lives of other people. So, um, you know, that's a bit of a mindset shift for a lot of entrepreneurs who think everyone's working for me and I want to be the boss and I want to dominate the world. Um, but actually, people don't care about, um, you know, what you've got and what you've done. They care about that you care, that you help. And, you know, you will get that feedback from engaging with the, um, you know, the people that ultimately have put you where you are, the customers that have funded your lifestyle, you know, the, the fans that have given you the following that you've got. OK, so a few things to summarise then for your young hustlers and entrepreneurs and for parents of. Um, you leverage your youth and energy. Many of us older people don't have as much youth and energy as you. Uh, so leverage it. Show the world it. You know, we love it. We're, we're motivated by it. You know, you think that you know, us older, more experienced people help you. Will you help us? Because you remind us what it is to be young. You remind us that we can do more, be more, and that we can have more energy. The next thing is you need to blag us as mentors. You need to go to the older, more experienced people. Now, I'll have mentors of all ages, by the way, young and old, if they're great at what they do, and I want to be good at that. But, you know, I like to have uh, mentors who are 60 and 70 because they've been through three or four recessions and I've only been through one. Uh, you know, and, and they're billionaires and, you know, so and, and I'm only millionaires or decamillionaires, you know, so there's always another level. Uh, and the great thing, it's, it's easier than you think because what the older people will love is to see themselves in youth. So I get a lot of young entrepreneurs, you know, reaching out to me. And when I can see something in them that I saw in me when I was younger, that, that reignites my fire. I'm re-inspired by that. I want to help you. Um, so you just have to show us that and, you know, know that, you know, you're, you're inspiring us as much as we're inspiring you. 
The next thing is you must keep learning. And, uh, you know, like when you're young, the school system often puts you off learning because you, if you do nine subjects at GCSE, uh, you know, whatever, or three or four at A level or 10, I don't know how many you do, um, then seven of them you'll probably hate. And you're probably not inspired by the teacher. And you're forced, therefore, to spend a few hours of your week learning something you're not interested in. It doesn't mean you're not a good learner. It doesn't mean you're not a good student. It doesn't mean you've got ADHD. It doesn't mean you've got um, dyslexia and whatever of these labels of shit that people are putting you on, which you don't have. What you have is, I'm not interested in this shit. So, you know, often the school system can put us off learning for the majority of the time. I'm not knocking the school system. Because if you want to be a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, you need to go through the school system. And, and you know, and that's important. Uh, but I remember getting out of school and thinking, oh, I want to learn ever again. Because, you know, other than, you know, doing what I love. But then when you start meeting people who are interesting, who teach you about money, about finance, about business, you know, about uh, self-management and emotional mastery and sales and marketing and all the things you need to be an entrepreneur. And you realize that actually learning is fun and learning about business and your mission is fun then you just want to do it. So sometimes you have to tell yourself that, but keep learning about the things that you're doing. Make learning fun. I try and make learning fun. Um, and you know, I think you need to tell yourself that it's fun, that it's helping you pro progress. The next thing is build your network. See your network as your net worth. Now I should have been doing much more on LinkedIn 12 years ago. I didn't spend enough time on it. And I'm trying to build up my network more now on LinkedIn. You know, I've got a load of contacts in my phone I probably haven't managed and nurtured for the last 11 years. Um, Gerald Ratner introduced me to someone who uh, sold a business for 300 million. He thought I should be interviewing him on my podcast. And actually, um, I met him mm, more than 10 years ago. Uh, and I had a couple of um, dinners with him. And then I haven't spoken to him since. And I should have been continuing to nurture that relationship. So the, young, the more you do that when you're young, the easier it is when you are old. The next thing is, and this is easy for you and harder for us, keep your overhead low. You know, the reality is making money is the difference between what you bring in and what you spend. And a lot of people bring in a lot and spend more. And actually, you can bring in not too much, but spend even less and still make really good profits and a really good margin. So when you're young and you don't have mortgages, kids, you know, cars, leases, you know, um, direct debits coming out of your eyeballs and earlobes, then keep your overhead low. And I used to get money and spend it, get money and spend it, get money and spend it. Keep your overhead really low. You know, like you sell other people's products and services. Be an affiliate. You know, use all the social media and the, and the marketing profiles online that are free to start with. Okay, and then finally, you need to know that age is irrelevant. Billionaires are getting younger and younger and younger and younger. Just 10 or 20 years ago, I don't remember exactly, but, you know, a couple of decades ago, the youngest billionaire was in his 50s or 60s. Now there are billionaires in their 20s. So it is no longer a disadvantage to be young in the world of business. It is often an advantage. You leverage social media. You leverage the internet. You leverage the speed of light through fiber optics. You know, you leverage all this new technology. You leverage cryptocurrencies. You leverage the uh, internet of things, virtual reality, all the stuff that us oldies are going to find really difficult because we've got to unlearn all of our old habits and ways. Okay, so thanks for tuning in. I just want to mention one more thing. I've been getting a lot of questions about the launch of my foundation. So my foundation, the Rob Moore Foundation, I set that up to help young entrepreneurs and underprivileged people uh, to start and scale their business, to get better financial education, to enable them to make a living and then share that gift of living and their knowledge with others. And uh, it took probably six months to get the legals done and it's officially registered. I know because I'm getting letters every day from people finding my charity address and pitching me for money. And a lot of you have been asking me about that. We're just currently in the process of setting up all the bank accounts so that we can receive money. I'm not going to ask for any money until it's time. But we are doing a launch in April, um, which is one of our events where um, the ticket price is all going to be donated to my foundation. And then once that's set up, I'm going to start building online platforms. 
I'm going to be taking the, you know, financing that myself. I won't be hiring any. Um, I won't have any salaries in the charity. I'll donate the time and the salaries from my existing companies. Um, some of the products and services might have to be paid for, but I don't want it to have a huge overhead. Uh, and then what I'll enable young entrepreneurs and underprivileged entrepreneurs, or anyone really who wants to make a difference, uh, to apply for scholarships for these online um, educational platforms. Um, I'm going to focus probably first on the really underprivileged people in the UK. You know, charity starts at home. Uh, and then build it globally. So that's what I'm going to do. I'd love you to help me if you can. If you've got any ideas or contacts you think that, you know, I should um, be entertaining or people I should be speaking to who are really experienced in the charity world, I'm a complete open book. Um, everything's just ideas at this stage, but of course, that's the exciting part. So if there's any way you think you can help me, you'd like to help me, you'd like to present or promote the foundation, you'd like to donate, you know, you think there's ways I could do it better, you think there's contacts I could have, then, you know, please do put us in touch. If you're watching the live, just PM me you know, on my Facebook page or just put a message. And if you're listening to the podcast, um, if you message me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk, that's rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk, um, then, hey, you know, maybe we together we can make a difference. That would be cool. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.